What about when it turns into the creepy spider? Oh yeah, the heads. <laughs> Full complete with sound effects right there. But... <laughs> That's a role play I should not have just ran through my head right now. But um, yeah. It's tying into the second half of the show. Hey, babe, here's what I want you to do. <laughs> hang your head off the bed. I'm going to glue these legs onto your head. They're going to come out. They're like these gigantic legs. And we're just going to do it this way. Just stay right there. <laughs> and I'm going to set you on fire, and I want you to scream. Scream for your fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Spider legs glued to her head. <laughs> well, <What are> you <laughs> they could be like a little like ball massagers. They could come around the bottom side. <laughs> little fingertips. Right. Hey, where's or... that one going? Oh no. Well, I was just gonna say, like, if it was the male playing the spider, you know, it could be like a little like ass tickler, but then it was like, yeah, you might have to watch where one of those legs goes in that case. Right. You might have to. But, you know, that could be okay for either sex, depending on what you're into. It, it, it does depend, but I don't begrudge anyone anyone their kink. Everyone's got a kink. Enjoy yours. It's a niche thing. That's There's nothing wrong with it. No. Sex humor. Yeah. Everyone loves it. Well, I suppose we should uh, get going on the thing. <laughs> Is that a euphemism? Mm. Going on the thing. Going on the thing. Mm, it could be. <laughs> Very well be on the show. Welcome to episode 21 of the Screams and Moans podcast, the podcast about movies and sex, but not together, because that would be porn. This week, I have with me Velasco from the Sweet Feathery Jesus podcast. Hello. Hello. How it's are so you? Good to be on the show with you. <laughs> it's good to have you. How are you doing this evening? Very well. Very well. Thank you. This was one of my favorite movies. Oh, I'm glad. You know, I knew that we were both kind of film geeks. Uh, well, I'm throwing it out there that I feel like we're both film geeks. So <laughs> correct me oh, if yes. I'm wrong. But um, yeah, it was exciting to uh, get to rewatch this film. And uh, for those of you who are just listening in, <laughs> we're actually talking about The Thing. Uh, and the 1982 John Carpenter version. So, good one. Yeah, it, that's a good one. But I also think the black and white, the original, the thing from Another World is pretty good as well. Yeah, the Howard Hawks version is good. It's definitely it's definitely good for its time. But man, this one, Ooh. this one is a this one is just amazing to watch. 
it's just one of those really great kind of paranoia and isolation uh, kind of movies. I think it kind of fits in the same, even though it's not as, you know, it's not as expertly crafted as something like The Shining. There are themes there that are about the same, you know, being isolated and paranoia. I love it. Yeah, I was going to say the whole setting for the movie, you know, you're in Antarctica. There's really no way to get away. And then to add in, you know, they're trying to make contact with the outside world. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) And they can't. They can't. Everything's down. And I think, too, I know John Carpenter is just kind of known for it in general, but the actual score to the movie and the music that goes along with it just kind of adds to that whole eerie, isolated feeling, I think. Yeah, and he actually kept his name off of the music score, even though he had he had a little to do with it. Um, he he did do some of the scoring on it, but he pretty much gave all the credit to Ennio Morricone, who is one of the best film scorers ever. Pretty much all of those really great Clint Eastwood westerns, he scored them, like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. and All the classics. Yes. So, I mean, and it's a great score, but for some reason, John Carpenter, he didn't put his name on there as being, as credited with actually having done some of the music. And it's really good. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, this whole movie in general was really yeah. good. It's almost like a Jaws that dum dum, dum dum. You know, that it's almost like a Jaws theme where you know it's coming for you. You just don't know. You don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And that was actually one of the things that I noticed this time around related to that, I think, is I mean, I've seen this movie numerous times, but this time, you know obviously recovering it on the show so I was paying a little closer attention than just kind of watching with friends watching with a partner or whatever mm-hmm. um I didn't notice how much really they do kind of focus like at the beginning with the with the dogs mm-hmm. and stuff like that you hear that like doom 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 and the dog's like sitting underneath their ping pong table it's focusing on the dog, and it's like, oh, fuck, I should have seen that the first time. <laughs> or at least the second time I saw this film. The dog's just there chilling, just waiting waiting it out. Just like, I'm going to get you. You don't know who, you don't know when, you don't know where, but I'm going to get you. Yeah. And you're just chilling out. I know what's going on. Nobody else does. You're just like, get that damn dog out of there. Right? Why isn't he with the other fucking dogs? Which is what the Norwegian was trying to yell at them when he was chasing it uh, in a helicopter with a rifle. Yeah. (laughs) That opening scene, it's like, what? He's just, you know, it's a friendly dog. What the fuck is wrong with him? That's actually the national sport in Norway. It's called Flervignergenkoffel. Just basically chase a dog with a rifle from a helicopter. (laughs) Those Norwegians are just weird. They're fucking crazy. Yeah. That explains a lot about me, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Norwegian and German, so I'm fucked. So, (laughs) but anyway. So, I've got a touch of it in myself. Well, that's how you know. I mean, we've got pride in our national sport. Oh, yeah. Dog hunting from aerial uh, devices. I think is the literal translation. Yep. 
crazy Norwegians. <laughs> but, you know, they tried to warn him. He just didn't yeah. listen to him. They're chasing the dog. They're trying to drop grenades on it and shooting it. And it ends up at the at a U.S. scientific camp in Antarctica. And everybody there at the U.S. scientific camp is like, what the, what the hell's going on with them? Why, why are they shooting at the dog? And they only, of course, they only speak Norwegian, so they can't tell them, no, it's an alien life form that's going to kill us all, which would have been a really handy thing. Right. They could have at least subtitled it so we knew as well. <laughs> but that does also kind of make it a bit more mysterious. What was he yelling? What, 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 was, what was all that about? Right. Why was he freaking out so much? Seems like such a good dog. Why is he so upset? Exactly. Friendly. So Friendly yeah, so he well. goes rampaging through the American camp, which of course, being Americans, uh, we can't let that go. So they just gun him down. <laughs> well, we like our guns, too. The leader of the camp just guns him down right there. Doesn't even get an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take him down. Well, you know, he'd just been aching to use that gun for months now. So. Use his pop gun, as one, <laughs> one of the characters says. <laughs> so, yeah, so they take in this dog. They don't know what's going on. They take in the dog, and they don't know why the Norwegian helicopter is there. And Which, you know, evidently they also have Butterfingers because he drops a fucking, was it a grenade or a bomb? Blows yeah, up he, his they, own fucking helicopter. <laughs> trying to drop uh, grenades on a running dog from a moving helicopter wasn't working out. So when they approach the camp, he's landing, he gets out, he takes a grenade out of the box, pulls the pin, reaches back to throw it, and it slips out of his glove. And they're all like, oh, shit. And they go digging through it, and it blows up. And so the Nor all the Norwegians now are dead. That could possibly explain what was going on. So now the Americans have to figure it out for themselves. <laughs> and unfortunately, they've invited a thing into their midst. Yeah, and they don't even know. So, yeah, I mean, that was... Part of it is I never noticed how much the dog was focused on or when he kind of goes down the hallway and goes into the room with, um, was it Clive? I'm horrible with names, character names. Well, <laughs> see, this is, the th this is one of the things, this is one of the reasons I love this movie. There is so much debate over who this is. Yeah. <laughs> the dog going down the hall and he's just looking around and all of a sudden you see a silhouette inside of a room and the dog goes into that room and you see the silhouette turn and look at the dog. Now the debate is who is that silhouette? Yes. Now based on just because I know the movie, it can be one of, it could be one of, I think two people. Okay. It could, it could be Norris who was the kind of portly redheaded guy. Yep. Or it could be, um, what was his name? Palmer, the weirdo helicopter pilot. Yeah, the one who lost it from the first day there. Yeah. Yeah, the weirdo helicopter pilot. Now, John Carpenter purposefully used a stand-in in that silhouette scene to make it ambiguous as to who it is. At that point, if you've never seen the movie before, you're wondering, it could be anybody in the camp. Exactly. But... But just from the way the way it looked, I initially thought it was Norris. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking that it could have been Palmer. But I don't know. I just still have a hunch that it's Norris. Norris, which, you know, eventually we see the, the Norris-Ed thing 
happen later on. Yes. In the yeah. movie. There's just so much endless debate on who that silhouette was. Well, and I think that's the great part about this movie, though, is, well, well, I guess it's not really simple, but it, it always does keep you guessing, and part of that puts you into that, because then you feel like you're in that situation with them. You're trying to figure out who has been infected, because as we find out uh, throughout this film, this alien life form actually imitates its host and, you know, becomes that person essentially or animal like absorbs them yeah and they even show that on the cool when they show the cells infecting the other cells (laughs) oh yeah and that cool 1982 computer animation fuck yeah like chess at the beginning chess and booze what else (laughs) she gonna do in antarctica (laughs) well it's not gonna be chess anymore when you dump a glass of whiskey into its circuits no it's not quite the same as beer pong (laughs) (laughs) yeah but um so yeah who who is that silhouette uh i think there's a case that can be made from i lean towards norris just because of who it most resembles to me okay the way it goes well, I think just to argue a point, I'll say it's, I think it was Palmer because, you know, he was in there for so long mm-hmm. throughout the movie. Yep. He could have done a lot of infecting. Could have done, and he had plenty of time. But this, and this is even just on the first night. This whole movie happens over the course of like three days and nights. I mean, it's like what goes on over a weekend. It, it really is, a, and it's really tough to pin down the time frame as to who and when people are exposed or get infected. Right, when people are alone with other people or would have had a chance to be infected. Because they don't really show people being infected. We just see them after the fact. Right, right. So they they try to figure out, they, they take in this dog, they don't know what was going on with the Norwegians. So they go check out their camp and they start to piece things together because the whole camp is blown to bits. There's dead people everywhere. That was a grotesque dead person. That, the, 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 the split face dead body. Yeah. Snow there. That was, that was an amazing piece of work. Oh yeah. Effects wise. That was great. And just the way visually, because, you know, they had it that the base had been kind of blown up in parts and just abandoned. So it kind of had this gray, white, snowy, chalky look. And then you have the. Mm hmm. Just had the. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to describe him. <laughs> mucusy looking body with a. It looks like half of the face had melted away. And you're just like. Oh, and in their wisdom, they bring it back. Because that's always a great idea. Yeah, bring back this obviously weird-ass, melted, mutated corpse back to your camp and figure out what's going on with it. Something really bad happened, so let's bring part of that back to our camp. Yeah, and things just, literally, things, bad things happen from there. Yeah, and not the good kind of bad things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> These are the worst kinds of things, which I can see for somebody who is germaphobic. This would be, this would be like the ultimate in, oh God, no, this can't happen to me. 
worst case scenario. Yes. Yeah, especially I'm thinking that calculation, again, with the old school computer, when it's talking about, you know, chances that one team member is infected 75%. Like, one more, yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, basically then saying how quickly it would infect the entire world after first contact. Yeah, 27,000 hours. Yeah. So quick moving, that would be... Yeah germaphobes nightmare yeah it's about three years and everybody would be infected and everybody but you gotta wonder would it want to infect everybody i mean what does it use as a food source yeah what does it eat i don't think they ever covered that aspect i mean does it draw energy just from you know assimilating other life forms or what i mean would it want to assimilate the entire population of the earth and that's something I never really address. Another one of those questions that it doesn't answer and leaves. No. So we need to have another thing to find out. Well, we did. <laughs> that turned out bad, though. That did not turn out too well. <laughs> it turned out too well. So, yeah. And so over the course of bringing it back, they start slowly but surely, they realize this is some type of alien life form. Yeah, because they found, they went out and found the ship eventually. Yeah. This is an alien life form, and it's infecting, and it's assimilating, and imitating us. So now the paranoia kicks in into full gear. Yeah, this is where the isolation really, isolation and having to trust everybody you're with really comes into play. Who's the thing, and who can you trust? Nobody. Because Wilford Brimley, I guess in a in a fit of diabetes, decided to <laughs> yes. destroy the communications equipment. And there's there's debate over why he did that. Did he do it because he himself was infected? Was it a part of a strategy of the thing? Or was it because he couldn't allow it possibly of having any means of escape by maybe imitating someone and radioing for help? Right, because in worst-case scenario... If the thing was the only thing left, it could radio to get a, you know, a rescue crew in, and that's its way out. And I never thought about it that way. Yeah, so he he destroys the helicopters and the, the tractors and the communications equipment. He was either a thing or his, his diabetes was just going berserk that day. That's what other. happens when you can't control your blood sugar. You're fucking yeah. nuts. He lost it. He he lost it in a big way on that. I like that it was done with an axe, though, for some reason. Just, yeah. It was a little extra violent because of that. And, and a own, gun. My own personal opinion is that he was human at that moment. And he was trying to cut off escape routes for the thing. Because he's the only one that really understands what a big problem this is going to be <laughs> if, it gets, if it gets off the uh, off of Antarctica. Right, because he never shared that information with anybody. Right, he just wrote it down and let the other guy discover it. Thanks for sharing it, Wilfred. Yeah, communication's fucking important, bitch. We could have all <laughs> used that information, but no. Somebody had to keep him to himself and grab his gun. Yeah, and then, uh, what are you, plan on writing a book? <laughs> Thanks a lot. Tell-all story? Yeah. <laughs> but then my question is, and I know this is hopping around a bit, but then, so... After that, you know, they they take him, 
and basically kind of put him in solitary, though they do leave him with half a bottle of booze. Yes. Which I noticed as well. <laughs> Smirnoff vodka. Yeah. He's a Smirnoff man. Evidently. I was going to say, not really the good stuff, but... Yeah. Kurt Russell is a J&B scotch guy. Uh, there's a lot of booze for just an isolated outpost. That's true. I was, wow. I guess what else are you going to do out there? Play ping pong and drink. Right. That seems like that's all they did. And I mean, they didn't even have women yeah, to entertain so, them at all. Scientific outpost. I didn't see any science going on. I didn't either. I saw roller skating. Yes. <laughs> roller skating. Um, Cooking. Um, <laughs> video games, video games, ping pong. Um, yeah, there Books. really, there really wasn't. And VHS tapes of Let's Make a Deal. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I already know how this one's gonna end. Turns it off. It sounds like hell. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. You've got stuff to watch. Oh, what do we got? Nine hours of Let's Make a Deal. Jeez. Right. That's why they provided them with guns so they could fucking uh -huh. off themselves when they were done. <laughs> and you'd want to. Yeah. Did you notice though, speaking of roller skating and cooking, that um that song the song that was playing that was playing too loud was like very superstitious. And yes. I thought like you know, that really ties in because eventually everybody is suspicious and superstitious about everybody else. Yes, yes, they are. It does tie in. It ties in very well. But the other thing I couldn't figure that the the character on the roller skates, the cook, uh, his name was Nalls. I can't think of any place less suitable for roller skates than a <laughs> operating kitchen. Quite. Right. I don't know about you, but yeah, you know, you got a pot of water boiling uh, on a stove, or whatever. You really want to be around there in roller skates. Right, misstep, got to balance yourself and reach out and hit, you know, a hot stove or a knife on the counter. Yeah, Knowles was not a keen scientific mind, it seems. No, no. Just we're skating around the kitchen. And I also noticed there wasn't just one token black person in this movie. No, the other one was uh, Childs that was played by Keith David. Uh, he's one of my favorite actors. What else was he in? He's worked with John Carpenter a good bit. If you remember They Live. Yes. He had the world's longest fist fight with Rowdy Roddy Piper. <gasps> yes. Um, it is the longest fist fight in movie history. Uh, Keith David and Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was also, do you remember there's something about Mary? Mm-hmm. Vaguely, a little bit. Vaguely. Very vaguely. Remember Mary? Mary's stepdad was black? Okay. That's him. Uh, That's him. He's in There's Something About Mary. And also, one of the things that I loved him in, he was also the voice of uh, Spawn in the animated series on HBO that ran in the mid-90s. Perfect voice for it. It was really perfect. So he's, yeah, he's done a lot. Yeah, he's he's done some really good stuff. He's, he's, he's a really good actor. But, um, yeah, he was also the other black guy. Yeah. He was Childs and Nalls. And um, Childs, he doesn't seem to to put up with uh, stuff very much. He is uh, he is not happy about being trapped on this base with this thing. Yeah, he wants because... something done about it. 
and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the big overarching question that it comes down to it is, is Childs infected? Right. At some point. And that is the, that's the, one of the most hotly contested debate topics for the movie. Yeah. And um, I know I'm like, now I don't know that I want to get into, <laughs> <laughs> into that quite yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the thing about this too is it's like everything is revealed slowly one by one. You know, each one is getting infected, kind of that, you know, one goes down and then another one goes down, but you don't. It starts to get more blurred about who's infected and who's not infected. Mm-hmm. Until Kurt Russell comes up with uh, the blood test. <laughs> yes. And once he comes up with the blood test, then things start to become a little more clear. Then we have a way to see who really is yeah. the threat. I mean, the paranoia has gotten to him where some people have died just because they were stupid. Uh, one guy tried to make a move against uh, Kurt Russell's character, McCready, and McCready shot him right in the head. Yeah. Just making bad moves all the way around. But that's what paranoia will do. Right. You're so, not thinking straight. Some people are taken by the thing and they end up getting destroyed or they get destroyed before they can be assimilated. Or one guy, I don't think you ever even get one of the other doctors, Fuchs. You never even figure out exactly who or what got him and why. No. It's just like every you keep hearing people going, where is Fuchs? Has anybody seen Fuchs? Yeah, and then they find him out there and he's like burned and you're like you never get any explanation as to what happened to him, uh, except for people to say, you know, maybe it got to him and caught on fire, or maybe he set fire to himself to prevent himself from being uh, absorbed. Yeah. But you never know. You just know there's a burned body out there. For all we know, Fuchs could have been assimilated and run out into the night. Right. He could have still been out there. But if we're going to trust McCready, who said, yeah, that's Fuchs, because he could tell by the glasses. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. See these glasses? That's Fuchs. Great. Thanks, McCready. It's not like we haven't brought charred remains in here from another camp already. <laughs> right. Well, then what really got me questioning, too, is when, you know, again, McCready was saying that he noticed that there's always torn clothing when they get assimilated. Mm -hmm. And along the way, find a torn piece of McCready's clothing. Yes, which leads you to believe, oh, McCready is, has been assimilated or the, the thing is trying to throw them off. Right. It's maybe got it's, some intelligence. Maybe it sees McCready as a as a reasonable threat and is trying to get him out of the way. Which they almost succeeded. They almost did. They it's... almost did. He he has to break back into the camp and threaten to blow up everybody with dynamite. <laughs> yes. Seems a little extreme, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Extreme times. Call for extreme measures. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty extreme. It's it, the the paranoia, and you're just like, oh God, what do you do in this situation? Right, like, what would you do if someone just standing there? I'd be like, you want to know what? They have dynamite. Fuck it. What do they want? <laughs> <laughs> now, 
I'm curious. Now, we talked about Wilford Brimley destroying the communications. Yes. After this is when they said that they lock him up in the shed. Mm-hmm. Come to find out that Wilford Brimley, his name in the movie is Blair, uh, that Blair is infected, but we don't know when. Yeah. Was he? Was he infected before he went nuts and, and busted up the communications or after? Because I think it was after he got to, he was locked in the shed. I was going to say, I also feel like that's the case. Because when, you know, he goes, they at one point go to check in because they're looking, you know, they're looking around. And they're like, well, have you seen, was it, I don't know who they were looking for at that I point. Looking for Fuchs. They probably were. <laughs> so when they were still looking for Fuchs, and they're like, have you seen Fuchs? He's like, no. But man, there's some weird noises out here at night. You know? <laughs> and he's... Side. You know, he's like, just let me come out. Come on, I'll be good. And at that point, I'm like, he's fucking infected at that point. Yeah. But, you know, and hearing about the weird voices, but I don't think he was like that when he first went in there. Yeah, I don't think so either. I hear weird stuff out here. I want to come inside. He's sitting there and he's just like, oh my God. But did you notice the noose? Yes. I was going to ask about that as well. I mean, so, that what do you think? is just wrapped up on the wall when they lock it, when they first lock him in. You can see it behind McCready when he and Wilford Brimley have their little chat. It's just wrapped up and it's hanging on the wall. When they come back, which is at least six to eight hours later, to check on him and find out where's Fuchs, a noose has been crafted and it's hanging from inside of there. So it could only have been made by Blair, Wilford Rimley. Yeah. So why is he making a noose and just sitting there? I was wondering that same thing. So it makes me wonder if he was going to kill himself to prevent from becoming assimilated and was assimilated before he could finish the job. And we'll never know. And we'll never know. Because <laughs> that noose just appeared. Yeah. And I went back and I, I checked this out a couple times. I was like, all right, no noose here. And I actually saw I was like, oh, there's the rope right there. And then when they come back, there's like a noose right there in the middle of the room. Yeah, just dangling there. Just dangling there. Like, it's just waiting Come on, somebody, I'm just waiting here. Stick your head in. <laughs> right, well, then when he closed the door on him, I thought, oh, yeah, we're just going to find him hung there the next time we see him, and that's not the case either. That's not the case. He has been assimilated. Yeah. They find, when they go to talk to him again, they find that he's disappeared. There's a lot of disappearing acts in this movie. Yes. There's a little tunnel under that shack, and somehow... <laughs> I don't... <laughs> That's what amazed me as well. <laughs> Some way, um, Blair has been building this little makeshift spacecraft out of parts he took apart from the um, from the helicopters. Yeah, so he's been sneaking out somehow. Yeah, and now, like I said, he's had about six to eight hours unsupervised to work on this. So I guess if he's been assimilated, some alien intelligence is helping him do this. But at this point, you realize pretty definitively. Blair, Wilford Brimley, is a thing. He is a thing. He's definitely a thing. And so now it becomes, now that they've been able to weed out who's who and who's what thanks to the blood test, now it's all a matter of stopping Blair from getting off of the continent. 
Right. And spreading. Yes. In his little uh, hoopty flying saucer. <laughs> yes. I do have. <laughs> I was going to say before we get to the hoopty, though, while you were talking about the blood test, I think that was one of the most suspenseful and also chaotic scenes. Because, I mean, could you imagine? So when they're doing this blood test, everyone's tied to these chairs <laughs> together. And one of them could be infected. Yes, and those poor bastards that were tied up right next to the guy that actually is infected. <laughs> yes. <laughs> those so... poor bastards were losing their mind when it suddenly <laughs> starts reacting. Yes. So essentially, this blood test, the theory is that it's all one being kind of uh, with the blood. So if you do damage to the blood that this creature is going to rear its ugly face, and it is ugly. Um, <laughs> Chose the wrong grail. Yeah. <laughs> so all of a sudden, one of them does come out. Um, and it was it was Palmer at that point, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. One that it could have been Norris or Palmer, the silhouette that we talked about before. In this case, it reveals that, yes, Palmer has been assimilated. You just don't know when. If he was that silhouette that got assimilated or if it was like the next night. Because they did find some torn up long johns in the kitchen trash. <laughs> Which, that could have just been a bad curry. They I mean, could have been. They, I mean, really. Charles was dancing around in his roller skates and... <laughs> Making making the food, it could have just been a really, really bad stomach reaction. It could have been. We didn't allow for that. That could have been the source of the thing. <laughs> Y'all throws his dirty drawers in the kitchen trash can. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down there, Nalls. <laughs> what you served last night? <laughs> Chill the fuck you out, just, motherfucker. <laughs> some of those fingers at yourself here. Right? <laughs> Maybe they couldn't reach the bathroom in time. Maybe. Eating if you paid attention to food safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, Fuchs, before he, you know, immolated, uh, was able to tell McCready, yeah, we should probably prepare our own meals for now. Yeah. <laughs> little tiny piece of this can infect, then maybe we should do that. Yeah. Maybe that was the whole undertone you don't realize, but really he's just talking about his cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I didn't want to tell anybody, but I just couldn't make it to the bathroom in time and had to throw my long johns away. McCready, you've got to tell everyone to start preparing their own meals. <laughs> yeah. Just don't tell them it was me. <laughs> oh, ask. And then he was so embarrassed he ran out and lit himself on fire. No. <laughs> it could be the alternative explanation of what happened to Fuchs. <laughs> been looking for. There we go. He was embarrassed because he had an awful reaction to the cooking, tore through his long johns, had to throw them out in the kitchen trash, and then run out into the night. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they all started following him, the gas that was coming out his behind ignited. And that was the end of it. Mm. So many flamethrowers around, it was just bound to happen. Yeah, I was going to say, there was also liberal use of flamethrowers in this movie. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, they were. And I think they were. And that wasn't a special effect. That was a real flamethrower. It was so real, in fact, that I didn't even notice. I've seen this movie over my lifetime a few, several dozen times. I just now noticed just the other day when I watched this uh, for the show that you can see the McCready stunt double using the flamethrower in the scene where uh, Palmer is revealed after the blood test. And it's absolute fucking chaos. <laughs> it's chaos, but all you can pay attention to is just these huge, massive flames being shot onto this body. And for some reason, I just kind of glanced over. I was like, wait a minute, that's not McCready. It was, uh, it was the Kurt Russell stand-in or stunt double. <laughs> His, well, I would say stunt cock, but it's not a porn, so. <laughs> yes, this is not porn. No, no, there's not even women. It would have to be gay porn if it was porn at all. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you catching what I'm throwing? <laughs> catching what they're throwing. <laughs> You're like, I'll drop your shit on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I was just looking over there and I was like, man, that's not even McCready. I never noticed that before just because the, the flames are just... Uh, maybe it's some kind of fire bug or something. They're massive. Yeah, but now that you say that, I did notice that something looked different. I didn't um, necessarily identify that it wasn't him, but you do kind of go that it's the silhouette. You're like, the silhouette doesn't look the same. Yeah, because that silhouette has bothered me for for a couple of years, and I just went and started doing some research. Well, who is the silhouette? Who is the silhouette? And I read that, well, it's supposed to be, it was supposed to be so-and-so, but they, John Carpenter decided to use a stand-in to make it more ambiguous. And I was like, ah. That's smart. Yeah. Another person who worked on the movie said, yeah, it was supposed to be Palmer, but I, I don't know. I still feel like that had to be Norris. Yeah. Is now, because I'm horrible with names, is Norris the one that, has the goo coming off the table and turns into the spider. Yes, Norris Norris is the head spider guy. The guy that was that had the heart attack and the doctor was administering those horrible chest compressions. Yes. Bad form and then the chest cavity opened up and bit his arms off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's Norris. That's what I thought. Oh. And I thought at that point that I thought the thing was going to get away with it cuz when he kind of tongue dragged his ass across the floor. <laughs> just like, wow, look at that. Just gigantic 12 foot tongue. Yeah, imagine what that just could that do. <laughs> <laughs> Norris Norris is going to get dates. That's for sure. Yeah, he don't he don't need a body as long as he's got that tongue. <laughs> Reaches out, grabs onto a chair and drags himself along along the floor, just the severed head. Yeah, with goo oozing out. Yeah. Great effects work. Rob Botin did the uh did the effects. He did a really good job. He's from I think he's from like the, the Stan Winston school of uh effects. And Stan Winston is is a legend in effects, but man, Rob Botin really did a tremendous job on this. They they really look great. That was amazing, that scene. It beat the hell out of the 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 two thousand eleven thing. Uh, CGI, CGI effects. You're just like, oh god. No, let's bring back real special effects. Well, it's just 
CGI works in certain cases, but for the most part, if there's too much light mm. or too much, uh, or even too much movement or faces, faces are terrible. CGI is terrible for faces. Right. So it's such a hard thing yeah. to map. Yeah. But yeah, this, these analog of man, they were just, they were great. Yeah. And then the he thing and the Norris thing and the Palmer thing. You're just like, Holy shit. That dog thing was terrifying. Yeah, nightmares about that. Yeah, big old bone. Rat. Ugh. Like a, like a soaking wet rat, size of a dog. Ugh. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the <laughs> the the effect of all the that that is nightmares and great effects. So. <laughs> yes. It's so good. But that was really good. Yeah, like I said, dragging himself under, then growing <laughs> growing out legs like a spider. Spider head. Spider head. <laughs> does what a spider head does. Oh wait. <laughs> They're crawling away and He almost course, made it. He almost made it, but then Palmer, who is by this point, I believe, a thing. Season has the line of the movie where he says, "You gotta be fucking kidding!" And when they then they just blast at hell with a flamethrower. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then yeah, after the <laughs> the other line I remember is um after the blood test scene where the the guy's still tied up to the chair and he's like, "Are you gonna leave me tied up in this?" to this fucking couch all fucking night. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was Gary. He's supposed to be the leader, but then he realized nobody trusts him, and they give it to McCready. He's a shit leader, That's, basically. He really was. He was not cut out for that. And not into bondage, evidently, either. Apparently not. Poor guy. He doesn't know what he's missing. I know. <sighs> <laughs> Could have been that, although that would have been a whole different scene with bondage and possible things in the room. <laughs> Lots of suddenly there's tentacles everywhere, and it turns into like Japanese hentai. Yeah. Like, Whoa! What happened here? A totally different movie. That's a totally different movie. That has to be out there though somewhere. I guarantee I was, it. I, I bet you the Japanese have taken the thing. And they've done a hentai type of parody based on it. I bet they somewhere are. in Japan that exists. Oh, I can guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> not that I would know anything about any of that. No, of course not. No, of course not. Not with a show like Screams and Moans. <laughs> <laughs> but as we approach the end of the movie, yeah, it just becomes a very desperate. And dark, bleak conclusion. I was going to say, that was very depressing at the end. Yes. <laughs> pretty much comes down to, you know what? We're going we're gonna to have to sacrifice ourselves for the entire human race and destroy this thing so that it can never make it back to civilization. Yeah, it's a whole <laughs> scorched earth policy at that point. Yeah, you know what? Well, nobody's getting out of here alive. <laughs> so <laughs> just accept it now because we're going to take care of this. 
Uh. Yeah. But the thing makes one final fight for its He does. Life. He does. And he's become gigantic, probably from everyone he's been absorbing. I was going to say, is that like the absorbed conglomerate of all of the pieces it's at like that some point? Kind of Cthulhu beast now with tentacles everywhere. And unfortunately, those are the worst effects in the movie. Yes. <laughs> They're obviously stop motion animation tentacles. And you're just like, yeah, they need a Robotine for that. Yeah, well, you know, budget was probably coming short. They needed to wrap this thing up. And <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and so McCready blows up the camp, blows up the, the big, gigantic thing that is apparently what's left over and goes to sit out next to one of the fires and try to stay as warm, I guess, as he can. For as long until as he, he can. <laughs> right? Because they literally, they literally said this is the first week of winter when this starts. And the rescue team will not, if they haven't heard anything, a rescue team will not show up there until spring. So they have at least 12 weeks. 12 more weeks. <laughs> Uh, there he is, just sitting around. I don't think that camp's going to burn for 12 weeks. No. So he's just sitting there. But then, lo and behold, who shows up but Childs? And it becomes this standoff where the two of them are just sitting there, facing each other, waiting to die. The only thing you can really think about is like, wait a minute. Maybe Childs is a thing. Mm-hmm. I know. But then fade to black. Yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> oh, it's like, no, John Carpenter, no. But that's what makes it so rewatchable. Right, I right. Because there's so many things that are unanswered and there's so many things that you can, just like we have found, even watching it over and over again. So more pieces to the puzzle. And one of the supplemental things I was going to, recommend to you uh, booze hates this guy for whatever reason <laughs> there's a guy on youtube by the name of rob ager and he's done he's he's got a two-part uh youtube video i think it's like a total of maybe 20 minutes okay total two-part called was child's infected that breaks down the thing uh i think really well and i have to say I probably kind of agree with the conclusion he reaches. So that's a supplement to the movie I highly recommend. I was going to say, I'll definitely have to check that out. Yeah, especially after having seen the movie, it's really it's really interesting to watch and think about. Think about those things like, oh, yeah. I never thought about that, but yeah, okay. And it's it's really, it's, it's, it's really good. I, I recommend it to anybody who likes the thing. Turning it on its head a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really good. Booze doesn't like the guy because apparently the guy has a lot of YouTube videos and uh, a lot of the other ones that are not film analysis have political leanings that Booze, <laughs> <laughs> Booze is not really a fan of, so he hates the guy. But I really like that, like his, uh, his thing analysis for uh, Was Childs Infected. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Okay. Well, and I was going to say, for not liking it, it sounds like he's watched a lot of his stuff, so. 
Well, I think, yeah, he just started looking at a bunch of the other stuff that the guy has done, and I just don't think he and he and the guy, Rob Ager, their political beliefs line up. They're not on the same team. They're not on the same page, no, it doesn't seem. And so Boost doesn't really like the guy, and I don't think he likes it when I recommend the guy's stuff either because <laughs> of that. But his film analysis I really like. I really love the guy's filming. He's got some great stuff on The Shining and 2001 and lots of videos, but the Was Childs Infected is really good. Oh, well, see, now I'll have to watch multiple ones. And then I'm kind of coming into actually like my big movie watching season. I don't know when fall starts coming and Halloween and I start watching different sci-fi and horror movies more than usual, I think. Yeah. It's coming into that season. Yeah. He does some really great stuff with The Shining. I just actually linked, um, is because of my recording yesterday, with, which to anyone hearing the show will be two weeks ago, um, <laughs> with the guy from uh, Casa Mirth. But we were talking about when they, the guys that make those videos for like inappropriate motion picture soundtracks, and they oh. have one with The Shining with the little pig, little pig, let me in scene. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So he starts like axing down the door, but it's like a love song, you know. Like I've seen it done a number of a number of different ways, but like one of them is like sometimes when we touch, you know, honesty's like, oh, too much, and like oh god. <laughs> yeah, I will check that. Hooked on a feeling, yeah. <laughs> Inappropriate motion fiction soundtracks. has begun right then you know you're like all right now i now i can watch for other things oh. yes <laughs> now i'm getting comfortable right Hell. now i'm really gonna tell you what i want you to do Ooh. <laughs> yes let me tie you to this couch and administer a hot needle blood test that's right <laughs> <laughs> i need to make sure you're not one of them <laughs> yeah I want to make sure you're not one of them. And then when I'm proven that you're not, I'm going to assimilate you. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) We're already getting into the second half of the show, I think. (laughs) We already are. And it could be the least sexy role play ever. Yeah, come on, baby. Assimilate me. Yeah. 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 Sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Least sexy dirty talk ever. Yeah. I want to see how gooey you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do I make you gooey? Do I? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Let's see more of that mucus. That's right. I'm going to assimilate you so hard. (laughs) You're not even going to know what's me and what's you. (laughs) How far do you take that? At the end of it, does the guy end up you know, wearing her clothes and going out for the night as an imitation. 
Oh. Could get really, really weird. Then it kind of turns into a weird tranny thing almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, I don't begrudge anybody their kink, but, you know, just have to decide how far you really want to take it. Right, and then, yeah, or do they go out as a guy with a... Mm. Yeah, because sometimes with role-playing, there is kind of a gray area in between. Well, is it role-playing or is it fetish? Because mm. at some point it can be both. Right, because there's an aspect of that role-playing that is attractive or sexy. Right, right, exactly. So you have to wonder. It's like, where does the... You can't really draw a solid line there. No, I was going to say, I don't think there's an easy way to to draw a line because there's, when you're thinking about that role playing, it's like there's aspects of it that is turning that person on and it's, you know, is it the, is it the actual role piece of it or is it something about it? Like, oh, I want to be wearing, you know, I really like schoolgirl skirts or something, you know, like. If you're obsessing on an object, it's more of fetish. Right, but if it's the character portion of it, that's more role play. But they can combine, right? They and then be... really get off on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of different types of fantasy and role playing and that kind of thing. Oh, definitely. My wife and I share this uh, this common fantasy where uh, I'm able to last more than 27 seconds. Fortunately, <laughs> hasn't worked out real well thus far. No. Yeah. So yeah, that's we we share that. So <laughs> it's a mutual fantasy. It's a mutual fantasy. Yes. <laughs> Still working, you know. Right. Well, you know, as long as you're slowly making progress, you know, that's the important thing. Right, and it's working towards a goal is important. It's it's a big part of a relationship, having mutual goals. Yes, and being willing to work. Yeah, maybe work. she's working too good. Maybe that's the, the thing. <laughs> well, that's what I tell her. She's just so efficient that <laughs> she's doing such Let's, a good job. Damn it, be less attractive. <laughs> right? Yes. Could you fuggly yourself up a little bit for once? <laughs> You know, maybe if you looked a little more like Chewbacca in the sack, I wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not going to help. It's only going to make it worse. That's Yeah, that might make it worse. <laughs> Just, you know, for the novelty of it. Mm. <laughs> Suddenly I'm picturing furries. <laughs> and I can't say that one's ever one I've really un understood. No. Don't, <laughs> don't begrudge anybody their kink, but... Not my thing. I don't get it. I know there are people that are. There are people that are into like squirrel play and raccoon play. And... There's actually a group of furries here in the Twin Cities that go out and have events and like they'll go to like a bowling alley on a Tuesday night all dressed up in their furry furriness. Well, see, like now, I, if I were the bowling alley, I would be promoting that. Everybody come down. You got to see this. <laughs> but then they wouldn't do it, maybe, because they want their anonymity, I would imagine. I if they're willing to go to the bowling alley like that, I think that they're probably, uh, there's a bit of exhibitionism in there as well. Well, yeah, because they'll have play dates in the park as well. Could you imagine taking your 
I mean, I'm, I have my own kinks. I have my own, you know, I'm pretty open about that on the show as well. But like, you know, you're just taking the family for a walk through a park and all of a sudden you see these furries like just rumbling about in a huge open area of a park. Yeah. Daddy, what's that rabbit doing to that other rabbit? <laughs> uh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I'm making more rabbits. Now let's go. <laughs> right. Circle of life. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god, out in the park. Yeah. And they're just they're just having a good they're just having you know, they're just I'm sure it's not I'm sure it's not sexual at all. I'm sure it's like they're I don't want to say like they're barbecuing or something, but I mean probably foreplay for them. Right. <laughs> so, I would imagine. It's probably foreplay, which, you know, good for them. And getting to know each other. Yeah, you, you, you got to get to know the other squirrels before you decide if you're going to have a relationship with if them. If you're going to bust a nut in one of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible puns. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very appropriate. <laughs> it's very appropriate. But yeah, you know, great for them, you know, but. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Yeah, I. I I hate that they could never do that in Texas. There's just too many guns. I mean, you go out to a park dressed as a rabbit, you're probably not going to make it home. <laughs> True. <laughs> so it's just gonna it's gonna end badly for everyone. <laughs> well, and I'm and I may be stereotyping as well, but I feel like um, in Minnesota we might be a little more liberal <laughs> than Texans. Yeah. <laughs> may be able to get away with it here in Austin, but anywhere else now you're you step over that like Austin city line <laughs> your life anywhere else <laughs> which may be something that they're into maybe they have to live on the edge right how about that well, yeah, unfortunately for me, it's tough to find a seven foot nine woman that's willing to paint herself green and go as she hulk. <laughs> You know, that would be a tall order. You make do with what yeah. you can. <laughs> I was just about to joke and say, and for me to have a guy like, you know, get into like a Dalek outfit and have some probes come out. R two D two. Where are you going to put the plunger? Where are you going to put the whisk? Right. See, you know what I'm saying? Dalek play. Dalek play. Assimilate. Assimilate. It ties into the thing. Holy shit. Yes, it does. <laughs> you will comply. <laughs> oh, wow. We're opening all sorts of doors up for role playing today. Yeah. Getting really. <laughs> Getting really geeky. That's perfect. Right? That's perfect. Yeah. Geek role playing. Yeah. I, I can't say I'm opposed to that in any way. No, me either. <laughs> so do we have any other um any other role playing fantasies we can talk about? No, I did the the hot needle in the, the blood dish test. <laughs> yep. Check. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, there's the cosplay, there's the mutual fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've covered, I think, all the ones that occurred to me. 
Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I can think of other ones, but I wouldn't say that they're necess- necessarily applicable. What would the thing porn be, like Antarctica porn? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that would be. I bet it would have to resolve around, like, science and experiments. Yes, it would be, you know, you would have to... Did it bother you in the thing, the fact that they kept using the same scalpel to cut their thumbs to do the blood test? Yeah. That kind of bothered me. Because then if one's infected, they're all... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does the the one guy, and then he says, all right, now you, and he just takes the scalpel and he wipes it off on, like, his jeans. Right. Yeah, that's going to do a lot of good. Yeah. ah. I mean, at least heat it up. You've been blowtorching everything else. Yeah. Uh, Very true. Mm. But yeah, I think, you know, or if you were going on the furry side, maybe it could be like penguin and polar bear porn. That could be painful. <laughs> Can a polar bear fit in a penguin? <laughs> I'm guessing no. I'm going to guess no as well. But I'm sure there are some, there's some out there that would be willing to try. Seal porn? Here comes the shark. <laughs> do dude. Do dude. <laughs> oh, wait. That's Jaws porn. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, I suppose before we get role playing too much, we should probably get to some of our listener answers. Our first listener answer is from Crunchy Baglin. And he says, Being handcuffed by a sexy cop is the most dirty I want to go. Maybe a whip or two. Maybe. Come on. That's just a given. Right. I mean, otherwise, what are they going to do after they handcuff you? Just yeah. like sit there? I'm going to handcuff you, and then you're going to sit in the back of my car. Okay. Okay, now we're taking the role-playing a little too seriously. Drive <laughs> them down to the station next. <laughs> Put them in a cell. Yeah, you're going to have to process me in before I... <laughs> Well, we've got to get all the waivers signed and everything lined up before we get cracking the whips. So. Oh, God. <laughs> what a logistical nightmare just to get off. Oh, I hope it doesn't ever come to that. <laughs> Could you sign this waiver and um, oh, no. sign here and here? No. Initial here. Yep. And the. Okay, thank you. If you've already started, it would be like nod twice for yes. hold up two fingers if you want me to continue (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) see what we can do with the nightstick oh there we go (laughs) wonder if crunchy would be down for that i think you i think I think so. I think so, too. If we're already talking a whip or two. Or two. Yeah, the nightstick is going to have to get involved. Yeah, that's the nightstick is just warm up in that situation. Yeah, and it's it's going to be okay because it already has that one part of it that's 90 degrees from the rest of it. Yep. So you, you can't go too far. You won't lose it. So you'll be in good shape. At the end of the night, it'll, it'll all be fine. You won't be... Having to call the emergency services to have anything removed. Yeah. Yep. We're good. Dishwasher, you're ready to go. The dishwasher. (laughs) 
well, I suppose it gets hot and it disinfects. Mm-hmm. Just don't put your leather in there, though. No. No. That'll come out bad. That would be very bad. Number two is from Gravy. Gravy just says, cats. <laughs> now, because I think we both know who Gravy is, that doesn't surprise me at all. No, it doesn't. But I wonder if Gravy is aware of how troublesome that can be. Because the cat penis is a very frightening thing. I don't think I've ever seen a cat penis. It has spines, sharp spines on it, which is why female cats uh, yowl in pain. <gasps> Those spines are curved backwards towards the male cat. So when he's pulling out, the spines are digging in and scraping. and They're trying to not let him out, basically. Yes. Yes, oh. it's quite painful. So gravy, thank you. You made it weird. <laughs> and here I was just thinking, you know, like licking hair and stuff like that. But that's much more unpleasant. That's incredibly unpleasant. Thanks a lot, Gravy. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Mistress Lisa, who says she was seeing someone who had a nun fetish. Oh, I'm sure there's a ruler involved. Yep. A ruler and probably a paddle. Yeah, definitely some punishment. Some some punishment and, hey, maybe even some exorcist-type stuff going on. <laughs> Could be. Rosary beads? I was thinking of the crucifix. Mm, yeah. That could be, could be a really, really dirty nun. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you can, I wonder if they make like latex habits so you can go out as like an S&M nun. Oh, that has to exist. It has to. I'm positive of it. <laughs> Latexworld.com or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing any advertising if that site exists, which I'm positive it probably does. Adding but... to my bookmarks right now. <laughs> there we go. And and we're good now. You can check that out later. Okay. Okay. Mm, so who else do we have? Number four is Rye Rye Dog. And he says, I like to pretend I'm a man and my right hand is a woman. Right? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> For having the least original role-playing idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I thought every juvenile boy does this every single day. Every straight juvenile boy, probably. Yeah. At least, you know, the imagining part. Right. <laughs> yeah. But now he says, though, the first part of that is I like to pretend I'm a man. So, does oh, you know what? Uh, you're right. Thank you for checking my grammar. Yeah. Oh, I see. Otherwise, in his day to day life, I guess he he lives as a woman. That's what I was thinking. Maybe. Right. I didn't realize you had a Bailey J thing going. Good for you. <laughs> I support that. Yeah, you know, we're totally open here, so no judgments. Rye likes to pretend he's a man. And that his right hand is a woman. 
It says a lot about you, Rye. Thanks for sending that in. That's right. <laughs> and then number five, we have Jean Paul, who says, I never explored that side yet, but a great start would be either nurse, patient, or a pirate, and he finds a feisty wench. <laughs> I was just about to say it. <laughs> I have seen pirates, the porn. <laughs> you do. I I have seen I've seen pirates and I've seen pirates too. You know what? I've seen that. The production values on that are actually pretty good. For porn, yeah. In the in the first one I do have to say I like the um <laughs> that was Evan what's his name? I'm, He's like in every porn movie now. He, yeah, he's in every porn movie. Um, but my favorite scene doesn't even involve him. It's like the two women are going at it, and they're like spitting on each other and slapping each other. <laughs> yeah, they always portray that in porn. I was like, I don't think this really ever happens. You know, in, in my adult life, I've definitely been with both sexes, and I can say I don't think we've ever had a spit-slap fight. Yeah, and I don't think scissoring happens either. No. I just I just don't see the point. No. I mean, we can joke about being scissor sisters and, you know, speaking of role playing and different things, uh, there is some photos out there um, of my friend Anne and I doing some fake scissoring in our costumes at Convergence one year. <laughs> <laughs> we may or may not have ingested quite a bit of alcohol before those photos were taken, but... Um... Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> Never. At, at a fucking convention <laughs> where they can't sell the booze, they have to give it away? No. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, uh, well, it's her husband <laughs> is like, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, they just wanted to take a picture of us, you know? Yeah. With their legs kind What's of over he, each other like we're scissoring. Is he trying to spoil it? <laughs> Being a cock block? Yeah. I mean... I had watch. That was like 100%... <laughs> I can't talk. 100% spank bank material right there. Exactly. You know? Just file that away for later. Right. Ask him for a copy if you want. I mean, yeah. it's all good. Tell me about that again, but tell it slow. <laughs> But yeah, again, I mean, it was it was staged scissoring. I don't think. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense to scissor. No. No, I can't imagine that it would. I mean, if you're going to do that, you might as well get like the double-ended dildo and... Right. Now that makes more sense. Right? Then you can both help yourself and each other. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I would know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and we kind of talked about the nurse patient or, you know, doctor patient yes. thing. And pirate, huh? Would would you go full out, like, yar, matey? Like, take my leg and and that? <laughs> Amputee. Yeah, with the peg leg and all, so. Yeah. And where would you put that peg leg? Place where it's probably most needed. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that up to be a mystery as well. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. Da, da, da. <laughs> well, and we do actually have an audio clip as well. 
Hey guys, it's John Papa Giorgio with the Papa's Basement Show, and Meg asked me this week to answer the question, uh, what sort of role-playing fantasy would I engage in if I could? I guess the answer would be a teacher-student thing. I know it's very basic, but like, I'm just not that much a lost soul that I have to look into fantasy to make me come. Hey, we're not lost souls. Then yeah. the fantasy would be fucking any woman other than my wife. I get that much. And if I were like sexually frustrated and I had like a brother that was doing really well for himself, yeah, maybe like fucking my brother's wife. That would be a nice role. <laughs> and kind of demeaning for the chick having to pretend she's someone else, but like someone Or that she actually enjoys your cock. Uh, no, nah, <laughs> I like the, just an institution standing between the two of you having a legitimate romance. There's something really really dirty Mental about institution. Uh, we're gonna say she's a high right. senior i don't want fucking nambla sending me pamphlets <laughs> out of this but uh you know what about the aspca enjoy greatly uh if you've ever seen palo alto that was a that had some good dirtiness to it it's got uh james squinty eyes what's his what's his name the one that plays green goblin and he looks stoned all the time you that guy and he's banging uh some young high school girls that are on his soccer team. He's the soccer coach, and he's a single dad. And this has to be this dude's the, dream. You know, the kid, and he keeps calling these girls over to babysit for him. And then he's just like, you're the best. I love you. And he fucks the chicks, who are all 18 again. And that's what makes it fun and, and legal. Anyhow, that's <laughs> pretty good. Jeez. I would not mind that fantasy one lick. James Franco, by the way. There, James Franco, okay. All right, there's my role play fantasy a chick blowing me to get an a in my gym class etc etc i don't really care for role play again <laughs> i'd like to role play where i'm not so out of shape and lazy in bed that i can fuck well again i would like that role play i'm sure my <laughs> girlfriend does that role play in her head every time i pull my half soft dick out of my pants in front of her all right i'm john pop <laughs> I do the Papa's Basement show at He's Papa's Basement and <laughs> yeah. the rest of Screams and Moans. Wow. He's doing shtick. <laughs> Dude, I'm doing shtick. You have to wait. You're just going to hold off. <laughs> There's someone else doing that right now. Wait your place in line. How's that for some institution in between you and your fantasy? <laughs> so, yeah, the teacher, the teacher-student thing. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, I, I like the idea. I think it's a little more socially acceptable if um, the teacher is female and the student is male. Mm hmm. Definitely. But and those I see what he's going for. That too, though, along with a lot of the different fantasies, like you know, uh, you know, doctor, patient, um, boss, secretary. It all kind of comes down to that whole power play thing, too, though. Yes. Really, it all is a. It's it's all a manifestation of people like you hear about a lot of uh, a lot of CEOs that are very um, that will go and see a dom just because you know they're in a position of dominance pretty much all day every day and they just go to a dominatrix to be a sub and just be abused because they don't have to make decisions. Right, they get to be the one not in control for a while. 
And it's a relief. It's a release. It's a relief. So, yeah. Yeah, stress release. Whatever floats your boats. Definitely. Gotta do it. Yes, definitely. If you take anything away from this episode of Screams and Moans, <laughs> you should just do it. Yeah. As long as it's legal. Thing. And consensual. <laughs> you don't want to do it with the thing. No. Because that would probably end badly and you'll have to de- destroy the whole town. Or light yourself on fire. Oh, yes. Oof. Yeah. To keep it from spreading. And then your head pops off and sprouts spider legs. and Right. Your chest That's... cavity opens up. I mean, that chest cavity could very easily be a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> like teeth. Like Ooh. That, man. Jeez. I'm just saying. I don't saying. even know where to go with that. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't see it that way initially, but now that you say that, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to see it any other way. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not your fault. It yeah. is not your fault at all. Because that was exactly kind of what I thought of when I saw it, actually. But wow. maybe that says more about me. See, when I saw it, I was thinking, I was like, oh, it's like um, it's like one of those carnivorous plants, you know, the Venus <gasps> trap. Right, or like on Mario Brothers, the little... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, see, now I'm going to have... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm derailing the whole show, but it's my show, so... Okay. It's your show. That's right. <laughs> But um, yeah, I do want to say thank you to all the listeners who contributed their answers for the show. We love when you do that. And kind of going along these lines, and with a little help from one of my previous guests, actually, um, the question for next episode is, if you had to die a sex-related death, how would you like it to happen? So, you know, we probably covered a lot of ways that that could happen in this show today. I think we did. I think we have. So, you know, maybe you're already trying to think of some of those things. Um related death. Yeah. So um <laughs> if you do have an answer to that question, go ahead and email it to the show. And our email address is screamsandmoans at gmail dot com. So <laughs> now that we're thinking about role playing and violent sexual deaths, evidently. <laughs> Well, maybe it's not so violent. I don't know. But... Could just be fun, right? Yeah, I want to. I want to hear some creative entries. So hopefully, on the next show, that's what we're gonna. You're gonna have to listen for those. <laughs> that could be, yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, I think we're uh, we're getting to the point of the night where we're gonna start wrapping things up and uh, <laughs> hopefully not igniting. Uh, our entire homes on fire but um <laughs> now that you've been infected with the screams and moans podcast but um yeah civilization it's supposed to spread yeah we wanted to okay. spread like Sorry. wildfire <laughs> i don't think anyone will be assimilating anytime soon <laughs> Speak <for yourself. laughs> so um but yeah if my listeners want to hear 
more of you and uh, the show that you do, where can they do that on the internet? The sweetfeatherygesus.com is our website, and you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just look up Sweet Feathery Jesus. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's been good. <laughs> it has been. And I a lot of laughs. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. Fun movie and a fun topic. Exactly. It's nice to just sit back and have a conversation. So, um, and yeah, speaking of, if people want to have conversations uh, with me and the show, you can find me on Twitter at screams and moans and we also have a facebook page which is the facebook address slash screams and moans so yeah it has been good uh now i'm gonna watch those extra youtube videos and probably end up watching this movie once or twice again in the next coming weeks rob eager was child's infected parts one and two <laughs> two parts well thank you very much it was a lot of fun yeah no, definitely. It was good to get you on the show. So it was fun sitting down and having a chat. So uh, that, I guess we'll say good night to my listeners. <laughs> right, screams and moans, listeners. Good night.